0: to Crash Course Autographs. This episode is going to be a little different because I put out a poll on my Twitter and my Facebook, I'd say maybe in November, I think it was in November, seeing if my listeners would be interested in me doing a highlights of 2018 episode. Um, essentially just discussing highs for me, my favorite stuff, some standout moments. And then wrapping it all up with thank yous for the year and just in general uh for people that I'm really appreciative of so my patreon shout outs are in my thank yous, and they'll come later because I'm truly thankful for them, the ones who have paid for said shout out um and a shout out actually to all of my patrons, um even the ones that I won't mention on the air because you're still contributing something and you're still getting access to the additional things that I'm providing, uh, but you're just not at the shout-out tier. I see you, and I appreciate you as well. But more about that later when I get to the thank yous. Let's talk a little bit about this year. Um, I want to preface, first of all, that this is going to be my favorite stuff of the year. It's not the best stuff. It's not the worst stuff. It's not the stuff that define the year. It's just my favorite things in physical media, Shows that I went to, performers I enjoyed, that kind of thing. Um, I don't think I need to go at length on this stuff, but I'll talk about each thing a little bit because they do affect the other projects that I work on. So let's, I guess, get started with video games. So for me, video games uh, play an important part of my life. I do a video game podcast for one, but also... I just, you know, I've always been a gamer since I was a kid. And so the standout video game for me this year, which I've mentioned on I think almost every one of the podcasts that I do, is Spider-Man for PS4. Spider-Man for PS4, so I'm someone who's been playing Spider-Man games since they've been making them, and some have been great and some have been terrible. But Spider-Man on PS4 was the first Spider-Man game that felt wholly unique. Um, It was an original story Um, They got writers of the comic books to work on this project, but it was just so graphically stunning, so well acted and so well written that to this day, it still stands as one of my favorite pieces of Spider-Man media ever. Um, I'd say when I talk about my favorite movie of the year, there is like they're in the running for each other, which gives that away a little bit. But um, Spider-Man for PS4 is one of the first games in a long time that I played that like, I couldn't wait to get home to play. Like I was running home to play this game. I was so excited for it. Um, because again, I felt like I was part of that world. I felt like I was Spider-Man, which as uh, the infinity pod has talked about and a few other podcasts that have covered Spider-Man, like that's the point of Spider-Man is to want to feel like Spider-Man to put the, on the mask. He is the everyman hero And so it was really cool to get to dive really deep into that game. I won't give any spoilers for the story, but I will say the relationship between Dr. Otto Octavius and Peter Parker, this is the best portrayal of that nurturing relationship that I've not really seen done in other projects. And I'm excited to see where this game goes because there were cliffhangers at the end when you beat the game. So for sure, there's going to be a second one, especially since it seemed to have done really well financially. And Insomniac is not a company that's going anywhere. So yeah, so my favorite video game of 2018 was definitely Spider-Man for PS4. On to my favorite book slash audio book because I tend to listen to more books than read these days. Um, It was actually a book by H. John Benjamin, the voice of Archer, and Bob from Bob's Burgers. He's an improv comedian and comedian as well as voice actor and actor. He put out uh, a book earlier This year, I believe, but either way, I listened to it for the first time this year called Failure is an Option. And uh, it's his life story essentially talking about, you know, growing up, relationship with his parents, um, the gigs that he's booked, uh, um, the different things that he's done, you know, the other comedians he's worked with. It's a life and times, but framed by H. John Benjamin about his life. And if you're a fan of his voice work especially, listening to him read his own audiobook is essentially like being spoken to by Archer or Bob for many, many hours, which was pretty neat. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. And it was, you know, there were a lot of really fun moments as a Jew also because he's Jewish and just his, his growing up Jewish and having friends who weren't and, like, things that... We all joke about it was just it was a really interesting audio book because I learned a lot about H. John Benjamin. So I went from just being a fan of that guy who does voices to actually becoming a fan of everything that he does um, and kind of adding a little levity to the whole, you know, larger than life. Books about yourself, you know, there was a lot of levity in this book, which was pretty neat. on to my favorite comic of the year Um, it's not I don't think I read any issues that came out this year but the comic itself was new to me this year and that's the Wicked and the Divine Um, Magical Burlesque produced a show earlier this year or when you're hearing this last year as this episode's going to air on uh, January 1st Um, but I'd never read it before and so Betty Brash lent me several anthologies of the earlier comics and I fell in love with it. Um, for those who don't know the wicked and the divine and don't at me if I get the description a little wrong, uh, diehard fans, but essentially it's about these gods are reincarnated in the body of mortals who then use the, the powers of those gods to become, pop superstars for a period of time, um, among other things, and there's a battle and a war waged amongst them. Um, certain deities die, which spur others to fight and speak up. And it's just it's a really interesting mix of drama and action and uh, you know, even fandom of music and some other things. Like there are certain characters who are definitely inspired by modern pop stars, your Rihanna, your Kanye West, your um, My Chemical Romance. like There are definitely heavy music influences drawn and written to this comic, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I ended up identifying, not because I like him, quite the opposite, because I hate him because he's a terrible person, but I I love the character of Woden because, A, he's like a Daft Punk ripoff, um, and I, as a DJ, gravitated towards that, but also... I really like characters who are shit because they are perfect examples of how not to be. Um, I don't idolize Woden in any way. Um, I think he's a terrible person and a dick, but he's written so well and the character plays such an integral role to some of the issues of the comic to bring out the betterment of other characters um, and to put him down and put him in his place. Um, so I highly recommend it. The Weekend in the Divine. I believe the series is actually ending soon, um, so you'll have a complete anthology soon to be released. I'm sure. Um, if you have more questions on that comic, uh, tweet at Betty Brash on Twitter because she'll know more than I will. Uh, moving on to my favorite movie of the year. So my favorite movie of the year is a uh, is was a recent shift. It was Black Panther for a while, but I just recently saw Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and that is easily hands down my favorite movie of the year and my favorite spider-man feature film um again i think it's neck and neck with spider-man for ps4 as best spider-man media ever but that said it's apples and origins at the end of the day and i loved spider-man into the spider-verse from the music to the art style to the voice acting uh the character development um The villains in this movie had heart, and they weren't just these foils for the heroes, but like both Kingpin and uh, Dr. Octavius are both characters who want something and have desires and that are people, Um, which was really cool to see because you don't see it a lot in Modern comic book movies. It's the biggest problem the MCU has as a whole is while the movies are really great. The villains are fairly one dimensional and are just there to like spur on the hero, which is okay, but I want kind of more complex writing from that kind of stuff. Um, the soundtrack is unbelievable. Um The song sunflower by post Malone is always stuck in my head. Now the way it, a lot of the music is presented in the movie is really done very well. Um, all of the character development is brilliant from the main characters, the hero cast, the villain cast to the, you know, the secondary characters, you know, like the families of all the characters and the vil- the secondary tier villains, all like, there was never a character featured in the film that you thought, why are we spending time with this person? You always wanted to know more and learn more. And the tongue-in-cheek way they handled the origin stories in this, because there were so many characters, I think is the way movies should handle origin stories going forward, especially if you're writing into the framework of a comedy, which at its core is what this movie was. Um, Also, props to Sony for finally figuring out how to create their own cinematic universe, which now exists. Now, if they want to make a movie about noir Spider-Man or Penny Parker or Spider-Ham or... Go back to uh, Peter B. Parker of, uh, I believe that's the 616, the main Marvel timeline or universe, as it were. Like, they could do any of those characters or another movie with Miles or Spider-Gwen. Like, all of the characters were so well-developed and well-explored in such a short amount of time that they could easily spin it off into whatever movie they wanted. Also, this was, I think, a two-hour movie, but I never felt it drag, and even though it was so dense, and it is a very dense movie, there was never a moment where I was going, "I'm bored," or "I don't care," or, you know, "Can we get to the next part?" I was enthralled from moment of start to moment to finish. Um, again, I'm not gonna, I don't really want to spoil anything, so I don't want to go into major plot details. I will say there is a post credit scene that. If you're a fan of internet silliness, you'll really dig the post credit scene. It's not integral to the bigger universe. It's just a funny meme moment and also has one of my favorite Stan Lee cameos because it felt, it felt like a true moment of Stan Lee in that movie. And I'm so glad that he got to do a cameo in the picture before he passed. So Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man, if you haven't seen it, go see it right now. I believe... Me and my co-host Rachel Shank yelled at you on um, Screen Snark to go see it. Well, I'm yelling at you here on my own. Go see that movie. Even if you're not a comic book fan, because it's a genuinely funny movie. And I feel like it's really approachable, If, especially if it's your first piece of Spider-Man media. like They really get into the origin without spending too much time on it. So... I think it's really a great entry level for Spider-Man fans as well. Um, and I just want Miles Morales in everything all the time. Bring him to the MCU. Put him in in Avengers. I love you, Tom Holland, but I want more Miles Morales in my media. All right. On to my favorite TV show of 2018, The Good Place. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at all, I retweet memes and gifs of this show constantly. It's one of the smartest shows on TV. It's another show created by Mike Shore. If that name is familiar to you, it's because he also created Brooklyn Nine Nine. He created Parks and Rec, the American version of The Office. Like this guy knows his um, sitcom. I guess It considered a sitcom. His his prime time TV, and uh, this show is funny and rec- and introspective and thought provoking. The cast is incredible. Um, all the memes going around about the four main cast members and this is why I'm by like totally relatable. I share that whenever I see it. But seriously, um, it's some some of the best writing on TV ever, I'd say. And if you've ever thought at all about why you're here and what comes next, it's the perfect show for that because it's designed in a way to poke fun at and also get you thinking about philosophy without, I'd say, being too heavy-handed. Like, there's a lot of philosophy in it, but they're not beating you over the head with it. They're creating a digestible medium for you to take it in and get you thinking about being good to each other and what it means to be good and how do we do better, how do we change, how do we improve, and all the characters are phenomenal. Um, MVP is definitely Ted Danson, who I've always loved in... So many TV shows. This is by far my favorite role I've ever seen him in. And like, yes, I'd say even better than Cheers. He's just so good and so perfect for this show. But the whole cast is incredible. So I highly recommend that. If you have not watched The Good Place, I believe the first two seasons are on Netflix. And the third season, which it's currently in process, is on Hulu. Definitely go watch it. The Good Place. I highly recommend it. Moving on to music for the year. Um... So my favorite album is usually hand in hand with one of the best albums of the year. Um, I used to do a music podcast called the Crash Course Podcast, which we still have well over 200 episodes of on crashcourse.com. So if you ever wanted to listen to three dudes review music and analyze it to its core and break it down track by track, I still highly recommend it. There are so many great episodes. We had a ton of phenomenal guests who brought great music as well. Um, But so I've always looked at my favorite album of the year a little differently for that show because I would always pick something that was just the best. But because this is my favorite stuff, this is way more low-key and relaxed, I'm just picking the album I listened to the most this year, which is Pray for the Wicked by Panic at the Disco. Um, Panic at the Disco is a band that... I didn't really listen to a lot of their old stuff. I knew Nine in the Afternoon, but I didn't really know those old records. Um, Shout out to my friend Alyssa, who um, Alyssa Nooner, who introduced me to the early stuff by them, but I didn't really listen to a ton of their music. It wasn't until um, Death of a Bachelor, which is the album before their current album, the one that's my favorite of the year, came out, and then I listened to that. I brought that album onto Crash Chords. We reviewed it, and my co-host didn't really dig it, but I did. It was a ton of you know, candy-sweet, digestible pop tracks that were just really fun to sing along to and to dance to and to just groove to. And I really dug it. And then I got to see them live. They opened for Weezer last year, I think it was. Well, two years ago now. Um, In 2017, I saw them. And they were great. They were such a great live band. Brendan Urie is such a great performer. And so when Pray for the Wicked came out, I you know, downloaded it immediately and I started listening to it all the time and I've been obsessed with it. Um, I'm excited that this year Magical Girl Burlesque at some point is going to be doing a Panic at the Disco themed burlesque show and I'm hoping to debut my first lip sync performance at it. Um, But that said, I just really love the record. It's fun. You know, there's not a lot, you know, it's not a lot of mind bending overly complex lyrics it's just genuinely fairly emotional and fun and uh danceable singable music that i really dig um so if you're into a lot of modern pop music but you may feel worn down by some of the modern pop like it's a little samey or boring i would highly recommend this record because it's just a fun listen Um, For my favorite song of the year, though, I'm going to lean towards something that's just technically and proficiently incredible, and it's the song Peep Game by Lex, the Lexicon artist. Um, I became friends with Lex through the internet. Um, She reached out to me after one of the interviews I'd done. I think it was I'd commented on a video that Schaefer Schaefer the Dark Lord posted of one of her performances, and we became friends through the web, and when she was in New York... Um, To play a show for HushCon in 2018, I asked if she'd come on the podcast. And she did. She was on Autographs, which you listen to, um, I'm assuming, if you're here now. And uh, she was a delight. I had a blast chatting with her. Um, She had a lot of really interesting things to talk about. It was really fascinating learning about her origins and how she came to rap and how she started rapping and her writing process and everything. So then when her album dropped, um, I was just blown away by all of it. And while I really love that record, again, my album of the year, I purely picked the one I've listened to the most. This, the runner-up is definitely Lex, the Lexicon artist's album um, because I just have been obsessed with her work as a rapper. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm a diehard hip-hop fan and I listen to a lot of independent artists. But Lex is by far one of the best new artists I've heard in a long time and probably one of the best artists I've heard, period. So I recommend her whole record, but for sure the song Peep Game, which has a music video on YouTube, which is great because part of it is her just lying in a pool of peeps essentially, um, is great. And so if you haven't heard anything by Lex, the Lexicon Artist, I highly recommend that you check out her stuff. Um, Again, favorite song of, of 2018 is Peep Game by Lex, the Lexicon Artist um next my favorite podcast of the year um I listen to a lot of podcasts if you're familiar with me on a personal level you know that I have a lot of podcasts and so I disqualified all of my own podcasts from this because I listen to my own shows so I tend to skim them but I wanted to highlight a professional who I've been really proud of and I've gotten very close with over the last year or so uh, we got to hang out at Flame Con, and I'm eventually going to have her on this podcast, Autographs. But um, the podcast, my favorite podcast of 2018 was Marvel's Voices, which is hosted by uh, Angelique Rocher. Um, if you are familiar with that name, it's probably because you listen to podcasts on Marvel.com, you listen to her podcast with the blurred girl uh, called The Radical Geeks, or you're now watching her do a post show for The Runaways. Um, she also does videos for sci fi. But what I love about Marvel's Voices is this is a podcast devoted to either people parallel to Marvel or who are directly involved with Marvel, but who are incredible creators who are not all of the most well-known or top-tier creators that everyone's familiar with. They're people who work hard in the industry and who deserve recognition and who or who don't always get a chance to just be talk about what they love and what I love about this show is also even if you're not a huge diehard fan of Marvel or you don't know the work that the guests have done it's still a great show because Andre Leek is one of the best hosts I've ever heard she immediately makes the guests feel comfortable um she bonds with them genuinely and very intimately on these pot on these episodes of the show she's not putting on the faux host like hey I'm gonna pretend to be your best friend I get the sense she wants to be best friends with all these people. And it's, it's genuinely really sweet and really awesome. Um, and, delivers information about these performers artists creators that you might not have heard anywhere else um it's really a brilliant show i highly recommend it even if like i said you're not a diehard marvel head who needs to know everything about marvel i highly still recommend it because it's just uh giving voice to people in the industry who might not always get a chance to talk about the things they love or what they work on so yeah check that out marvel's voices uh All right, Um, we're getting towards the end of the list. I've only got a couple other things. Um, The next is I wanted to highlight my favorite burlesque performer of the year. Um, I work with a lot of talented, talented burlesque performers who do incredible and brilliant, mind-blowing work. And I'm going to thank a lot of them in my thank yous at the end of the episode. But the one performer who I've only really started to get close with this year because we were in a lot of shows together and or because I was hosting and she was performing or kittening or I was just going to a show or I was DJing the show and she was performing. We got to spend a lot of time together and I've been blown away time after time with every act that she does and that's Holly um, If you're local to New York or New Jersey, which is where she hails from, um, Holly creates some of the most brilliant and nerdy acts I've ever seen she has a Kodos act yes the alien from Simpsons she has a alien queen act um from the alien movies she has a punisher act she has like I could the list goes on forever she has some really great fun and classic sexy acts too like it's not all just nerdy stuff um and not you know gags or bits like she really is an incredible dancer an incredible performer um And a brilliant creator. And so I wanted to take a moment to highlight her here. Because I think more people should know about her. Um, I believe she's Happy Halloween on Twitter and on Instagram. Definitely go check out the stuff that she does. Um, And if you're in the New York or New Jersey area. And you see her performing or producing. Go see that show. Because she is brilliant. Then my last favorite of my favorite stuff of 2018 is my favorite burlesque show. This one I'm a little biased because um I've had the pleasure for the first full year more or less of producing shows for Magical Girl Burlesque. I was originally just a DJ and a host, but I've become part of the production team and I got to pull off a show this year that I never would have thought possible. Me and Mary Sin have been joking about doing a Scrubs burlesque show for years and years and I know that when she was in um not original Sin, but one of her other uh, Epic Win Burlesque. When she was a part of Epic Win Burlesque, her and Nelson Lugo joked about the same thing. Nelson even created a gag poster for it at one point. It was an April Fool's joke. But me and Mary Sin have both been really passionate about a this show because we both love it. But also the the source material. Like just doing a show based on Scrub seemed impossible and hilarious. And what's even better is this year, this past year, we did it. Um, I hosted as JD. I recorded VO for the introductions for all the acts so I could look to the sky like I'm imagining in my mind what the acts would be. We had incredible performers do incredible acts for a whole variety of characters from the show. Um it was just ridiculous um if you go to magical or Burlesque on facebook or even to my page my stormageddon page on facebook you can see a ton of photos from the show um i believe there are even videos online some from the show it was great um you know i just i didn't think it would be possible to do a show like that and the fact that we did and it sold well and people showed up and people enjoyed it and people were laughing at the jokes and not missing a beat because they were there to engage on a super granular level with the sitcom Scrubs. It was brilliant to me because to find a fan base that devoted that would then come see a burlesque show based on that fan base is just mind blowing to me that it works every time. We did well for our Wicked and Divine show. I did a December show in 2018 where I had live music there. Like I did a Scott Pilgrim show with Rabbit Hole Productions, we partnered like all of these things that are so hyper-focused that you think there can't possibly be that many people who be into it, but they are, and it, they keep coming out to all these shows. So first of all, if you were at the Scrubs uh, tribute show, which was called Welcome to Sacred Tart, a burlesque tribute to Scrubs, thank you so much. Um, if you couldn't make it and want to see us do more stuff like that in the future, please write uh, to MagicalGirlBurlesque at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you saying I want to hear, I'd love for you to do a show on this, or I love this show that you did. Um, You know, we love connecting with the people who come to see our shows because we are just fans as well. You know, me and the other producers nerd out about so many different things. So for me, I'm just happy to get to do that stuff. All right. Next, I just want to talk about a handful of standout moments from 2018, specifically some really cool things that I got to do that were new for me. Um, and the first one was I appeared on my first panel at a convention, uh, FlameCon 2018, which I covered as press. Um, you can hear the my press coverage and the panel I was on on episode 103 of this podcast, if you haven't already. Um, it was brilliant. Um, big thank you to Brian Olson, who uh, coordinated the panel, which was called uh, Doctor Who Queered, um, which was you know, talking about queerness and Doctor Who. And it was so much fun to do. Um, we had a ton of great questions. The crowd there, you know, at the panel, while they weren't large, they were definitely enthusiastic and engaged. We had no shortage of questions. We still had to cut our time because, you know, so many people wanted to ask and we only had so much time. So it was really great. It was really fun. The presenter is really great. Rachel, who was also on the panel with me, was really great. Um, I. I really had a blast doing it. Um I'm hoping to cover more conventions. Um if you're hearing this in 6 days, I will be at Magfest. Um I will be at Magfest 2019, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while. I'll be there with the rest of the folks from certain point of view, which I'll talk about more in a little bit, but if you want to catch me at a con, go to that and I'll also be at Dark Side of the Con in 2019, which is in March. Um I'll be there with Reignite as well as doing some other stuff at the convention. Please come and say hi. I would love to meet you in person if I haven't and you're a listener. It'd be awesome. But yeah, so it was really cool to do my first panel. And I hope to do many, many more. Maybe even do some that I organize myself. The next big thing that happened in 2018 is I launched two brand new podcasts. But I did not do it by myself. I launched Reignite, which is a Mass Effect podcast that I do bi-weekly with MJ Bradley Lestrange. Um, this has been a passion project for a long time that we've wanted to do, and we finally got to release it. If you're not familiar with the show, it is a episode-by-episode episode breakdown of all of the Mass Effect games. We, we're just about wrapped up on the first Mass Effect game. We're coming towards the end of that. But we play a part of the game, and then we talk about it on the podcast, going over why we made the choices that we made, How that affects us as people. What does that say about us in society? We try and really get really deep into the mentality of why we make the choices that we do and how that affects us and the game as we are trying to play our characters as true to ourselves as possible. Um, So that's really great. That launched over the summer. And then within the same week, I launched Screen Snark, which is a movie podcast. Uh, As Rachel likes to say, it's for the movies in our eyes, on our minds, and in our hearts. Um, it's a movie podcast for movie lovers by movie lovers that I host with the incredible Rachel quirky shank. And we bring a guest every week. We talk about movies. The show starts with us talking about the most recent movie. Each of us has seen. Then we talk a little bit about the guest and how movies and film in general have influenced their careers. And then we talk about the stuff that they work on. Um, it's been really great. We've had incredible guests like Patrick H. Willems, uh, Chuck Collins, Victor Devon, so many more that I am blanking on the names of, but we're uh, going to be releasing our tenth episode very soon. Uh, after, so if you are hearing this, then the following week will be our tenth episode, and we're very excited. We're in the double digits now. I am um, looking forward to doing way more of that, and with that podcast in the new year as well as Raging Night. So that's been really great um, this year. Two podcasts that I work on join the fun and uh, jo- fun and game. Blah, 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 I'm not going to edit that out because why would I? (laughs) Uh, Two podcasts that I work on joined the Certain POV family. Um, This is a podcast network run by Ben Milton and Addie Thomas. Um, It has several other podcasts in it, but both Reignite and Fun and Games both joined the network this year. Um, Fun and Games had run for a little while before it joined, but Reignite, pretty much after episode one, they reached out and asked if we would join the network, and we did. Um, and that's been really great. I've really loved working with Ben, Addy, and Case, uh, who are all part of the network, who had been working together before I met any of them, to really build out what I'm working on. There's a sense of kinship and wanting to grow together, which is really nice. Um, and we're all helping each other. Not one of us is in a better position than the other. I think it's truly a collaborative environment, which I'm really psyched about. And so I'm really happy to be a part of that team. Um, Another big moment, as I mentioned earlier, is I became a full-fledged producer for Magical Girl Burlesque. Um I can't put into words what this means to me easily. Um I've watched so many producers uh just astound me for so long and you know really uh I learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um I couldn't possibly list all of the producers I've worked with. I'm going to thank some of them in the thank yous, but if I don't thank you in the thank yous, know that I'm thinking of you if I've worked with you because I've learned so much from every producer I've ever worked with and to now be one and go through that process and to not have to go go through it alone is incredible to me that I have two incredible producers standing by my side working with me and we're going through the motions together to to build a better brand that is Magical Girl has been really cool in um, more detail about those producers in my thank yous as well. Um, I'm trying to not over-talk about the things I'm going to talk about, if that makes sense. And then finally, one of the biggest highlights is the highlight of every year I've done it, which is Nerdlesque Fest 2018, which is produced by many people but is spearheaded by the incredible Lefty Lucy. Um, 2018 was the first year where I felt super... I always felt important to the fest, but this is the first year I really felt a part of the nuts and bolts and really felt like a part of the organization creating this event and not just the DJ who shows up. Um, they've done nothing but awesome things to help promote me. Um, it's been really cool. They were The producers and staff of the show were guests on the podcast, three of them. Anya Keister, Hart Crimson, and Lefty Lucy were all guests on the podcast together to talk about Um, last year's Nerdless Fest and I'm hoping to do it again for the 2019 one which will be in April of 2019 um, which I am still the official DJ of. Um, I've never been the official DJ of any festival and so now I am. I'm the official DJ of the Nerd Lust Festival, and I'm incredibly honored and humbled. It's a blast every year. They have great classes and great shows and great mixers, and it's just a fun time, and it's going to be at Coney Island again. It was at Coney Island for the first time in 2018, and it's going to be there again in 2019. Um, shout out to Patrick Wall, who I don't talk to enough, but who is the manager at the Freak Bar and in the theater space, and he is... A, a, stellar and astounding human being who I am uh, humbled to call a friend. So yeah, a quick little shout out to him. But uh, Nurlesque Fest kind of changed my life as far as DJing goes and has uh, inspired me to more heavily pursue that stuff. And I've been able to make quite uh, a career out of DJing and hosting and burlesque. And it's been a blast. So yeah, Nerdless Fest 2018. Look out for 2019. Um, w- one thing that I just remembered also, Tasselmania 2 happened in 2018, and that was great. Um, I love being a part of this stupid wrestling-themed burlesque show, and I mean stupid with the utmost respect and love. Um, Bunny Buxom does incredible work to make the show happen, and Shae the Dark Lord is no slouch either. Um, Rabbit Hole Productions, I love them. They're one of the produce, production companies close to my heart that helped build my career. And uh, I'm excited that we're doing Tasselmania 3 in 2019. But that was one of the most fun burlesque shows I've ever DJed, ever, was Tasselmania 2018. So looking forward to the 2019 installment. Lots of surprises there. Um, and so, yeah, I think this episode might end up being a little on the shorter side because I don't want to drag it out. But I do have some very... Um, heartfelt and specific thank yous that I will try and get through quickly. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank anyone listening to this podcast. If I don't mention your name specifically, but you're a listener, I cherish you more than I could ever possibly explain. Um, you're the reason I get to do this. You know, you, like I mentioned my Patreon, patrons earlier, who are contributing at patreon.com slash stormageddon, um, If you give any level of donation there, whether it's a dollar, $3, $5, $10, whatever it is, that helps and means the world to me. But even if you're not paying into my Patreon and you're just subscribed to my show or just listen to the occasional episode or listen because there's a guest you liked, thank you. Um, I want to grow this show. I want it to be my bread and butter because I've always been fascinated with Talking Head interview podcasts, and I love that I get to do one now. But none of this, I'd just be talking to myself or just the guest if it weren't for the listeners. So thank you. Um, If you were a guest in 2018, I can't possibly remember every guest to thank. But if you were a guest in in this past year or the years before, thank you. Thank you for taking my show seriously enough to want to chat with me. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you even if you didn't share it. Just thank you for being there. You know, getting to chat with all of these different people and the arts is really wonderful, and I love doing it. And so, thank you if you were a guest. Now we're going to shift into more specific thank yous. First and foremost, I want to thank Steve Nagel and John Sanders. They were my co-hosts on the Now on Hiatus Crash Chords podcast. Um, Steve built the layout for the website. Steve ha- edited. All of the shows for such a long time. And even though he doesn't anymore, he still fills my questions last minute when I need things. And John has been the money and motivation for Crash Course as a website for so long. He just, he, whatever it took to get this thing rolling and to get stuff done and get stuff made, he was emphatic and enthousi- enthusiastic. And I can never thank him enough. Um, but to both of them, I really, I miss doing a show with them. I hope someday we'll work on another project together. But None of this would be possible. Autographs would just be a thought and a memory if it weren't for the preceding Crash Course podcast, which inspired me to go off and then try stuff on my own as well. So thank you to the two of you. Um, Next, I want to thank my spouse, Sarah Storm. Um, Every day she inspires me to work harder and do more. Um, You know, I mean, I love her. She's my wife. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do without her. Without her in my corner... I wouldn't be able to function as a human. Um, She constantly pushes me and drives me to do more. Um, You know, she's just existing. She's a constant inspiration for me. But also the, the time we spend together, I cherish every single millisecond of and would never be able to do what I do right now without her. So thank you. Um, next, I want to thank my co producers at Magical Girl Burlesque, Raina Sinclair and Betty Brash, um, who were both guests on the podcast this year, had been guests on the podcast previously with um, now retired Paige Literati. Um, Raina and Betty have become my best friends. You know, I, I love producing burlesque shows with them, but I also love sitting around and nerding out with them about the kinds of things we want to try and do. This past year, I didn't mention it on the show until now, but we did a Futurama themed burlesque show with a script. And I managed to memorize half the lines. Um, But it was incredible. And, like, we did that. Our sheer force of will, along with our incredible cast and our co-producers and the writer and, like, all of the people we worked with made all of that stuff happen. We did burlesque show after burlesque show for an entire year at several venues. And win, lose, or draw, we kept doing it and continue to do it in 2019. So... Uh, thank you both for letting me be a part of that, this ridiculous group of humans that we call the Magical Girl Burlesque Corps and Troop. Um, next, I want to thank the members of Certain Point of View Media, Ben Milton, Addie Thomas, Case Akin, Jeff Moonen, and MJ Bradley Lestrange. Um, some of you I've known a long time, some of you I only have known this year, but The camaraderie on this network is unlike anything I've ever seen before. So many people are so game to do whatever and just see what sticks and work together and promote each other. And even when we don't agree, we still get along just fine and we still want to work together. You know, I joke a lot and pick on Ben because he's, I believe, the oldest of all of us. Um, But he, he, he really is... A father figure in the best way to this network because he cares so passionately about the stuff that he works on and wants nothing but to see all of us succeed and grow and do better. And I can never thank him enough for the, the confidence he's given me to continue to work and build on the things that I've been doing. But the whole network has been great. You know, being featured on other podcasts, accepting the podcasts that I work on into the network, it's all been beautiful and I can't thank uh, CPOV enough um, if you're not listening to all the podcasts on the Certain Point of View Network, you should definitely go subscribe, certainpov.com. All the podcasts are listed there. Go check them out. Next, I want to thank my partner in crime on Screen Snark, Rachel Quirky Shank. Um, I've known Rachel for a long time under alter egos and superhero um, superheroism, as it were, um, from being in bands to being a comedy musician solo to being a burlesque performer to being... Uh, an actress to being um, an incredible whirlwind who continues to motivate me to do better. And more importantly, makes me laugh. Screen snark was her idea. She wanted to work on a, on a, a movie theme podcast. It almost died in the water. And she reached out to me this year and said this past year and said, Hey, I want to try this again. And I really want to do it this time. We let it fall to the wayside, but I really want to make it happen. What do we have to do? And, you know, it was definitely her motivation that made it happen because I wanted to do it, but I also felt overwhelmed and she took the reins and now we're almost 10 episodes into that beautiful, ridiculous, silly, fun podcast. So thank you, Rachel, for inspiring me to expand beyond my own limitations and uh, driving me to do this incredible show that I'm now so thankful to have with you. Um, The next thank you, are to Bunny Boxam, the creator and producer of Rabbit Hole Productions and her incredible partner, with the Dark Lord. Um, I'm I'm someone who started as a fan of both these people. Bunny as a performer and Schaefer as a performer. And now I'm very lucky to call them friends. Um, you know, the last year or so hasn't been really easy for Bunny, but she constantly... I, I, well, first of all, I'll do anything I can to help her, but also she constantly reaches out to still support me and include me in the things she's working on, even if, you know, she has other things she should be worrying about concentrating on working on. She always has looked out for me, always. And I will never stop being thankful for that. And I'm so excited to be stepping back into the ring with you um, for Tasselmania 3 in the new year, in this new year. But thank you so much, Bunny and Schaefer, for. You know, getting my jokes, laughing with me, crying with me, and wanting to involve me. Thank you for being a part of and helping make happen our Scott Pilgrim show last year. Schaefer, you were an incredible host, and you'll always be the Gideon to my Scott. So thank you both. Next, I want to thank Anya Keister and Z. Perry. Anya Keister is a producer who I knew from a distance for so long and within the last year have become so close friends with that we make very inappropriate jokes to each other and make ridiculous meme-related jokes. We pick on each other. We joke around. Um, I'm so thankful for her friendship above and beyond anything else, but the fact that she continues to support, want to be a part of, and engage in all the things that I work on is incredible. And, you know, Z, you are easily the smartest person in any room I'm in with you, but... All you want to do is let people feel welcome and include people and talk to people and just be a part of those moments you're in. And the both of you have been so kind and supportive to me and Sarah over the years. And to me specifically, both in the burlesque community, outside of it, I can never stop thanking you for everything that you've done for me and uh, for being my friends. Next on to another producing duo, Mo Chismo and Petit Renard. Um, I am now the official DJ of Metropolis Burlesque. Um, since Petite Renard had the tiniest of bitty, itty-bittiest ideas to create her own production company for Burlesque and do a Jack Horseman show, she knew how much I loved the show and wanted me involved no matter what. And I got to be. I got to be Todd in two of the three shows that she's done now for BoJack Horseman. But uh, the fact that I'm your first thought to DJ always, without a doubt, without hesitation, um, really means the world to me. And that the two of you want to include me in every show and want me to be a part of it, and not just be at the show DJing, but be a part of the show and be involved, um, I can never thank you enough for. And I'm looking forward to working with you throughout all of 2019 um, as I did through most of 2018. Um, so thank you for that. Next, um, I'm putting these two together because, I mean, they are they are a pair for sure, which is Victor Devon and Jason Ramos. Um, first, Jason Ramos, the proprietor of Rock Bar in NYC. Um, he just, since the first time I ever set foot in that bar as a door person for White Elephant Burlesque, he treated me like a regular and one of the family in that place. He was so welcoming and so kind And uh, I've gotten to become friends with him over the year, just being in that bar as much as I have. And so thank you, Jason, for always making me feel welcome chatting with me um, and welcoming me into that space, which is yours. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, Victor Devon, the producer of White Elephant Burlesque and Wee Boylesque and all these other shows. Uh, Victor is easily one of the most hardworking people in burlesque and what's A crime to me is that there are so many people who probably don't even know he exists. Um, He easily is one of the most supportive, caring, and passionate individuals I've ever met. Um, This past year, he launched a podcast. He launched new shows that didn't last. He continues to produce shows that kick ass. He's still working on new projects always, all the time. But even more importantly than all that, I can call him a friend. I've gotten so close with Victor over the year. You know, just being a part of the burlesque community and just spending time with him and he continues to hire me to host his shows or to DJ his shows and I'm super humbled and thankful for that. Um, But I don't think I would have Victor Devon and Bunny Buxom amongst many other people, but especially this past year, are the reasons I believe I can do what I can do. There are other people too, but the two of them are two of the most important people in my life and especially in the burlesque community. And I can't thank them enough. Um, I want to thank all of the members of Sin Factory who helped make the Scrubs Burlesque show happen. Without them, without Mary Sin, Johnny Caligula, Dick Move, and Sarah Tops, that show would have never happened. And, you know, again, as I said earlier, it's the highlight of my year when it comes to burlesque. So I... I can't thank them enough for for helping make that happen. Um, A special, very special thank you to Brian Olson. As I said earlier, it's because of him I got to appear on my first panel at a convention. And I'm hoping to go and be a part of many, many others. I want to thank also two of my best friends, Katie Bug and Robert Prine. Um, The two of you keep me sane, keep me and my spouse sane. Your companionship the value of it. I could not ever measure. Um, Rob, Robert, because of you and Sarah, I got to make a reality of a burlesque show dedicated to a band with live music interstitials between each set. I I can never thank you enough for that. Um, it was an incredible show, but the two of you keep me grounded constantly support me and even though i don't get to see you as nearly as much as i would love to every time i do see you and i get to talk to you it it recharges me and reinvigorates me in a way that i can't possibly explain um and then my last two thank yous are just my two two patreon patrons who get shout outs on every show who i hadn't mentioned already like mj and robert which are Rob Sterebin and robert tramarco um I can never thank you enough for the fact that you give me money every month to keep delivering content you enjoy. Um, Any subscription is welcome. People who listen for free, I would never knock them and I appreciate them too. But the fact that you're willing to give me your money because you think my content is worth it and the things I make are worth it is something that is just unbelievable to me. That I now effectively get paid to make the things I make, because you are willing to give me your hard-earned money um, will never stop astounding me. You know, I'm just lucky to get to do what I do, and I do it, but the fact that you want to give me money to do it is like I don't know how to explain how that important that is to me, you know, how much that means to me because it really is something that, you know, I don't know how to put a value on other than I guess the numerical value you pay, but that's not the point, you know. And actually, I want to go on record and thank all of my patrons, you know, because even though you're not paying at the $5 level, like some of the others get the shout outs, that doesn't matter. The, The amount of money that you choose to give me is almost irrelevant. It's the fact that you want to give me any money at all to show your support for the things that I make is unbelievable to me. So I would love to shout out Cherry Valentine, Insane Ian, Scoop Jessica, Teresa gallosaurus The Nexus TV, and The Blurred Girl, all for giving me money and contributing. And again, it's not just about the dollar value. It's the fact that you believe that what I do is worth something more than just your time. And that would be enough. But the fact that you do feel it's worth more than that is incredible to me. And I will never stop thanking you for it. So with that said, this has been my 2018, I guess year in review. You can call it. Um, uh, I love each and every one of you listening right now. And if you've supported me in any way over the past year, thank you. I I couldn't do this without you. Um, I, I think this is a tradition I'm going to do every year just to reflect on the good because there was a lot of bad that I don't want to get into just in the world in general, but there's a lot of good too. And I'm very blessed and lucky to have been able to grow and learn and experiment and um, continue to make things the way I have been. So I will say my own sign off for a change um, and remind you that as long as you're making something or engaging with something artistic in this world that you love, then life can't be that bad. So thank you for the first time in 2019, and for as long as I have a voice. Thank you for listening. Music is life, and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Course Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of Weberless the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.